0: book 2 chapter 4 of the black arrow this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org this recording is by mark smith of simpsonville south carolina the black arrow by robert louis stevenson book 2 chapter 4 the passage the passage in which dick and joanna now found themselves was narrow dirty and short at the other end of it a door stood partly open the same door without doubt that they had heard the man unlocking heavy cobwebs hung from the roof and the paved flooring echoed hollow under the lightest tread beyond the door there were two branches at right angles dick chose one of them at random and the pair hurried with echoing footsteps along the hollow of the chapel roof the top of the arched ceiling rose like a whale's back in the dim glimmer of the lamp. Here and there were spy-holes, concealed, on the other side, by the carving of the cornice, and looking down through one of these, Dick saw the paved floor of the chapel, the altar, with its burning tapers, and stretched before it on the steps the figure of Sir Oliver praying with uplifted hands. At the other end they descended a few steps. The passage grew narrower. The wall upon one hand was now of wood, the noise of people talking, and a faint flickering of lights came through the interstices, and presently they came to a round hole about the size of a man's eye, and Dick, looking down through it, beheld the interior of the hall, and some half a dozen men sitting, in their jacks, about the table, drinking deep and demolishing a venison pie. These were certainly some of the late arrivals. "'Here is no help.' said dick let us try back nay said joanna maybe the passage goeth farther and she pushed on but a few yards farther the passage ended at the top of a short flight of steps and it became plain that as long as the soldiers occupied the hall escape was impossible upon that side they retraced their steps with all imaginable speed and set forward to explore the other branch It was exceedingly narrow, scarce wide enough for a large man, and it led them continually up and down by little breakneck stairs, until even Dick had lost all notion of his whereabouts. At length it grew both narrower and lower. The stairs continued to descend. The walls on either hand became damp and slimy to the touch, and far in front of them they heard the squeaking and scuttling of the rats. "'We must be in the dungeons,' Dick remarked and still there is no outlet added joanna nay but an outlet there must be dick answered presently sure enough they came to a sharp angle and then the passage ended in a flight of steps on the top of that there was a solid flag of stone by way of trap and to this they both set their backs it was immovable someone holdeth it suggested joanna not so said dick For were a man strong as ten he must still yield a little. But this resisteth like dead rock. There is a weight upon the trap. Here is no issue, and by my sooth, good Jack, we are here as fairly prisoners as though the gyves were on our ankle-bones. Sit ye down, then, and let us talk. After a while we shall return, when perchance they shall be less carefully upon their guard, and who knoweth, we may break out and stand a chance but in my poor opinion we are as good as shent dick she cried alas the day that ever you should have seen me for like a most unhappy and unthankful maid it is i have led you hither what cheer returned dick it was all written and that which is written willy-nilly cometh still to pass but tell me a little what manner of a maid ye are and how you came into Sir Daniel's hands. That will do better than to bemoan yourself, whether for your sake or mine. I am an orphan, like yourself, a father and mother,' said Joanna. "'And for my great misfortune, Dick, and hitherto for yours, I am a rich marriage. My Lord Foxham had me to ward. Yet it appears Sir Daniel bought the marriage of me from the King, and a right dear price he paid for it so here was i poor babe with two great and rich men fighting which should marry me and i still at nurse well then the world changed and there was a new chancellor and sir daniel bought the warding of me over the lord foxham's head and then the world changed again and lord foxham bought my marriage over sir daniel's and from then to now it went on ill betwixt the two of them but still lord foxham kept me in his hands and was a good lord to me and at last i was to be married or sold if you like it better five hundred pounds lord foxham was to get for me hamley was the groom's name and to-morrow dick of all days in the year was i to be betrothed had it not come to sir daniel i'd have been wedded sure and never seen thee dick dear dick and here she took his hand and kissed it with the prettiest grace and Dick drew her hand to him and did the like. "'Well,' she went on, "'Sir Daniel took me unawares in the garden, and made me dress in these men's clothes, which is a deadly sin for a woman, and besides they fit me not. He rode with me to Ketley, as you saw, telling me I was to marry you, but I, in my heart, made sure I would marry Hamley in his teeth.' "'I,' cried Dick, "'And so ye love this hamley?' "'Nay,' replied Joanna, "'not I. "'I did but hate Sir Daniel. "'And then, Dick, ye helped me, "'and you were right kind, "'and very bold, "'and my heart turned towards you "'and mine own despite. "'And now, if we can in any way compass it, "'I would marry you with right good will. "'And if by cruel destiny it may not be, "'still you'll be dear to me.' While my heart beats, it'll be true to you. And I, said Dick, that never cared a straw for any manner of woman until now, I took to you when I thought you were a boy. I had a pity to you, and knew not why. When I would have belted you, the hand failed me. But when you own you were a maid, Jack—for still I will call you Jack—I made sure you were the maid for me. Hark! he said, breaking off one cometh." And indeed a heavy tread was now audible in the echoing passage, and the rats again fled in armies. Dick reconnoitred his position. The sudden turn gave him a post of vantage. He could thus shoot in safety from the cover of the wall. But it was plain the light was too near him, and, running some way forward, he set down the lamp in the middle of the passage, and then returned to watch presently at the far end of the passage bennett hove in sight he seemed to be alone and he carried in his hand a burning torch which made him the better mark stand bennett cried dick another step and you are dead so here you are returned hatch peering forward into the darkness i see you not Aha <laughs> you've done wisely dick you've put your lamp before you By my sooth, but though it were done to shoot mine own knave body, I do rejoice to see ye profit of my lessons. And now, what make ye? What seek ye here? Why would ye shoot upon an old kind friend? And have ye the young gentlewoman there?' "'Nay, Bennet, it is I should question, and you answer,' replied Dick. "'Why am I in this jeopardy of my life? Why do men come privily to slay me in my bed?' Why am I now fleeing in mine own guardian's stronghouse, and from the friends that I have lived among, and never injured? "'Master Dick, Master Dick,' said Bennet, "'what have I told you? You are brave, but the most uncrafty lad that I can think upon.' "'Well,' returned Dick, "'I see you know all, and that I am doomed indeed. It is well. Here, where I am, I stay. Let Sir Daniel get me out, if he be able.' Hatch was silent for a space. Hark ye, he began, return to Sir Daniel to tell him where ye are, and how posted, for in truth it was to that end he sent me. But you, if ye are no fool, had best be gone ere I return. Be gone, repeated Dick, I would be gone already, and I wist how. I cannot move the trap. Put me your hand into the corner, and see what ye find there replied bennett throgmorton's rope is still in the brown chamber fare you well and hatch turning upon his heel disappeared again into the windings of the passage dick instantly returned for his lamp and proceeded to act upon the hint at one corner of the trap there was a deep cavity in the wall pushing his arm into the aperture dick found an iron bar which he thrust vigorously upwards There followed a snapping noise, and the slab of stone instantly started in its bed. They were free of the passage. A little exercise of strength easily raised the trap, and they came forth into a vaulted chamber, opening on one hand upon the court, where one or two fellows, with bare arms, were rubbing down the horses of the last arrivals. A torch or two, each stuck in an iron ring against the wall, changefully lit up the scene. End of chapter.